Hi, I'm Liz Winstead. I'm Mojiella Wodeal. And we're the hosts of Feminist Buzzkills, the only weekly podcast that helps you navigate the post-row hellscape. We dissect all the news from that sketchy intersection of abortion and misogyny with our guests, the abortion providers and activists working on the ground. Plus, we have amazing comedians to help us laugh through the rage. Feminist Buzzkills drops Fridays wherever you get your pod fix. Listen and subscribe, because when BS is popping, we pop off. I'm Greg Oliar. Four years ago, I stopped writing novels to report on the crimes of Donald Trump and his associates. In 2018, I wrote a best-selling book about it, Dirty Rubles. In 2019, I launched Prevail, a bi-weekly column about Trump and Putin, spies and mobsters, and so many traitors! Trump may be gone, but the damage he wrought will take years to fully understand. Join me and a revolving crew of contributors and guests as we try to make sense of it all. This is Prevail. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting Muller, she wrote. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com AG. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello and welcome to Mueller She Wrote and our ongoing special coverage of the redacted Mueller Report. Today we are covering Volume 1, Section 5, Prosecution and Declination Decisions, pages 174 through 199. And today with me uh, to help me out here is Jaleesa Johnson. Hey. Hello. Hey guys. How's it going? It's good. You know, I'm like in between sicknesses, but I feel just well enough to be here. This is perfect. So you might have noticed there's a, probably a little bit of a difference between the way we sound right now. <laughs> and that's because we are in Philadelphia. We just finished our live show last night. We're getting ready for a meet and greet tonight. All kinds of crazy news is breaking today, but we wanted to get this part of the part nine. This is the final part of volume one of the Mueller report. Out. Because next week on Wednesday, Mueller testifies, and then we start volume two, all about obstruction of justice. I am so excited for that. The timing is uncanny. Yeah, it's great. So uh, if you hear a little echo or we don't sound like we're in a a soundproofed studio, it's because we're not. (laughs) So I just wanted to let you know that that's what's going on today. But we felt it very important to get this part out to you before he testifies so we can start the obstruction volume uh, the day after he testifies, because I think most of it's going to be people specifically ask him about specific instances of obstruction of justice and to break them down. And, you know, because I think that's the only way we can get him to talk. Absolutely. Yeah, it should like line up pretty closely. 
It should be fun. Uh, well, I don't know if fun's the right word. Well, you know, fun considering this is what we do and we're comedians, so it's like we're trying to just live our best life, you know? <laughs> fun for us. Yeah, with all things considered. We'd rather he not be president and all these things, but <laughs> here we are. <laughs> yeah. If all the things that could go down should go down, it's this. And so, yeah, we I are. have hope for us in the apocalypse. I think we'll find a way to have fun with it. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. We'll have just make cockroach jokes or something. I That's don't know. right. It'll be there. <laughs> Uh, so yes, we're today we're one page one seventy four through one ninety nine. Mueller explains here that he was authorized to prosecute federal cri- federal crimes, and in deciding whether to exercise uh, its prosecutorial authority, the office Mueller was guided by the principles of federal prosecution set forth in the Justice Manual. So here's basically Mueller saying in a very fancy way. Here's the laws, and if I want to use the laws, I have to follow the laws. <laughs> so, thank you. <laughs> uh, as discussed uh, earlier in the report, that means they would need evidence sufficient to obtain and sustain a conviction. And if they had that, they considered whether it would serve a substantial, a substantial federal interest or whether the individuals were subject to effective prosecution in other jurisdictions uh, and if there was an adequate non-criminal alternative to prosecution a lot of requirements there like impeachment yeah mm-hmm. there's a lot of rules for rules <laughs> <laughs> whoa yes uh he then summarized that based on those rules um they charged two sets of russian nationals um and then a redaction for harm to an ongoing matter involving the russian hacks which is probably roger stone mm-hmm. or julian assange or both uh, and they also determined that the contacts between trump and russia did not involve the commission of a crime And where it was criminal, as in the case of campaign finance commissions, they did not have sufficient evidence to obtain and sustain a criminal conviction. So he right there says, there was some criminal activity here, but I just did not have sufficient evidence to obtain and sustain. He probably could have obtained a criminal conviction, but he may not have been able to sustain it on appeal. That's fair. Yeah, he's thinking about the whole process. And I, I, I hate that we have to almost give these people credit for criming well enough. Yeah. Right. Or dumb enough. Dumb enough. Or they have the right (laughs) lawyer who knew the law. Yeah, exactly. So uh, finally, Mueller concludes that the rules supporting charging certain individuals with lying or otherwise obstructing the investigation or parallel congressional investigations. So, yes. So he he was able to charge some people for lying and obstructing and doing Mm -hmm. that other stuff. Yay. (laughs) Uh, And then. Oh, that's the summary. But then he gets into the the juice, the details and the weeds, and it's broken down into three sections, A, B, and C, where A is the social media active measure stuff, B is the hacking and dumping stuff, and C is the Russian outreach and contact stuff. And uh, this is a basic overview of what we learned in the last eight episodes. (laughs) So... Uh, I'm going to sum it up and you, you know, you can go back and look at the relevant parts that we went through or or that are in the report earlier uh, to see if, you know, to see all the details spelled out for you, because this is kind of a conclusion um, and his decisions on what he prosecuted and what he did not. There's no new information in here. Just an analysis. almost. yeah, Yeah, it like tells us in conclusions, it tells us who he prosecuted and why he prosecuted them. In collusion. In (laughs) collusion, ladies and jelly spoons, and who he did not and why he did not charge them. And there's some interesting ones in here. So I guess there is some new information in that light. Mm -hmm. So for the active measures section on page 174, Mueller says he charged 13 Russian nationals and three Russian entities, including the Internet Research Agency and Concord Management, that's Prigozhin's joint, uh, with violating criminal laws by interfering in our election. Those charges are conspiracy to defraud the United States, wire fraud, bank fraud, aggravated identity theft, and conspiracy. 
and the defendants remain at large except for Concord Management, which is still working its way through our courts. And in this case, it's when they hired the American lawyers and fired all, filed all kinds of weird court filings. <laughs> yeah, weird's a good word for it. <laughs> <laughs> they were quoting cartoons like I taught, I taught, putty tat, and dropping F-bombs and ultimately forged inane court documents release and released them using an anonymous Twitter account saying, look, we, we hacked Mueller. So they tried to pretend like they hacked Mueller. Yeah, who is so stupid that they would even want to pretend <laughs> they hacked Mueller? These guys. I uh, guess so. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't get it at all. And I don't know if the American lawyers representing Concord Management were part of that. If, mm. if so, they should be sanctioned, but it might not be. They might just They're have just been like unwitting. <laughs> unwitting, like, we'll represent you. Yeah, you I got guess money. Lawyers okay. just do that sometimes. So he, he then goes on to say that, oh, it's, uh, sorry. Seven, oh, that's okay. 745. Yeah, yeah, no worries. I can Three, two, one. So he then goes on to say that even though the Internet Research Agency had reached out and made contact with U.S. persons, he did not charge the U.S. persons because they did not know they were talking to Russian nationals. And, and this is true in most cases. They did charge one U.S. national for supplying false bank account numbers um, that allowed the IRA, the Internet Research Agency, to access U.S. online payment systems. And that was Richard Pinedo. We've talked about him quite a bit. He pleaded guilty, um, but even he did not know that these were Russians. Yeah, he was just criming for, you know, other reasons. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> oh, need a fake ID? Cool. I'm your boy. So he was sentenced to six months in prison. Um, and then we have the Russian hacking and dumping operations section. And the bulk of this is redacted as it relates to the hacking, followed by the, you know, the Guccifer, DC leaks and WikiLeaks dissemination. And although we have three full pages of redactions here, starting on page 176, this is the longest redacted part I've seen so far in the report. Uh, we see one unredacted footnote, and it's important. It says Mueller considered but ruled out charges that the dissemination of the hacked material constituted trafficking of stolen property under the National Stolen Property Act because the law covers tangible goods. And even though the hacking code was stored on tangible items, there is precedent showing that the content is not subject to the law. Wow. Information is not subject to the law. Congress has cited this precedent as a reason for amending the law to include hacked materials, but as of now, it does not. Section 2 on page 179 covers the computer intrusion by redacted. And I think this might be WikiLeaks or Roger Stone. And Mueller chose not to charge them because the computer of redacted, I'm guessing Assange or Stone, likely qualifies as protected under law which reaches all computers with internet access. What? So if you have internet access, you can't crime in, his, in this law during, on this that's law? That's scary. I know, that's weird. Um, Mueller says he did not charge here because he had to consider the nature and seriousness of the offense, the person's culpability, and the probable sentence that would be imposed. So whoever this is, Mueller is telling us that because none of those three things or a combination of them, uh, beca or because of one of those three things or a combination of them, and he didn't charge mm -hmm. uh, based on that. But these redactions could... Also be someone we never heard of. Sure, you know, randos pop up every now and then, but it makes a lot of sense that it would be one of these guys that had the, the mm -hmm. hacking information. And wow, what a mind fuck. That but it has could to be, be that third hacker guy that he alluded to that has was never charged that eventually got, was the first person to get into the Hillary uh, stuff. What Remember, was his name again? Do you know? No, they haven't said they anything haven't said? about him. Okay, he's okay. not been charged with anything, and they they don't even oh. they haven't even admitted he existed. But basically, what they said is, you know how somebody uh, when he said if you find the thirty thousand emails that are missing, and within hours somebody hacked into Hillary's right, that was stuff, the guy. 
that was it could have been somebody else okay but yeah but this is the guy that they, they said i guess in news articles they've referred to him but didn't say his name or in the Mueller report no, we have we referred have. to him oh well so i'm trying to figure out his identity we don't know it yet but we, we don't even know if it's a separate guy but just, the way oh, Mueller said in his report got it because he Mueller was like uh and no one's ever tried to do this before and we don't know how they found out about this but it, it sounded like there could be an outstanding russian indictment that was still an ongoing matter okay that makes sense now yeah but we don't we simply don't know right um that's Some interesting a, beans though yeah i think it's probably stone um yeah and and or assange and this could be when you know he's talking about the dissemination thing you know how we were had the, all the discussions about assange shouldn't be charged with the dissemination of hacked materials because he because that's first amendment and that would infringe on journalists rights to publish and disseminate stolen material right so that's one tricky argument and now you have this law where it says it has to be tangible that's crazy too like well and that law is there because it doesn't want because if it's not if it's intangible if it's thoughts or feelings or words it's like intellectual property again it could be infringing on someone's first amendment rights bummer which is good though it's good that we have that because then that allowed like the pentagon papers to be published in the washington post oh nice yeah what about the dossier not so much though it's just yeah yeah same thing the BuzzFeed okay. dossier Well, case. yeah, those are some great examples then. Um, but in this case, fuck, they abused that loophole But I don't sure. think the dossier was stolen. No. But the Pentagon Papers sure were. Yeah, and, and I'm glad they were. I, yeah. I really am. And Washington Post said, we're going to publish them. And that is legally no different than Assange publishing the hacked materials from Russia. Why can't it be about, like, morality? Because some <laughs> laws do that, right? They base it on, there like, are the morality intention. laws, but... Yeah, they're, mm, they're very tricky. But then you have judges who have to interpret it, and somebody might not like the way you look and decide mm. that what you did is not moral and what somebody else did. Then a so human true. person has to make the application, and that's always dangerous. You're very right, yeah. That we take people's beliefs out of it, the, the better off we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? but goddamn, there's some evil in this world. I know. So um, the dissemination is the problem. Uh, it's it, because you start infringing on First Amendment when you start trying to prosecute that. And that's why when this Department of Justice under Barr decided to do 17 charges, I think, of espionage against Assange <laughs> for dissemination of hacked stolen materials, yeah. that's dangerous. Because now if that goes through, I don't think it will, but if that goes through, uh, Trump so could charge... The Washington Post with espionage. Oh, just based on the law, right? What already exists. Or yeah. for the precedent of the of course reading of the law. Yeah. If he, they prosecuted Assange successfully for espionage, exactly. for distributing stolen material. You would have the right away, so to speak. You'd have a precedent. Case. Yeah. You'd yeah. have a, well, you did it over here. Mm hmm. And this is the first time it's been charged that way. And so that it would be the first case. And there's a couple of things in here in the declinations that Mueller said he didn't charge because no one's ever done that. He didn't want to and be he didn't the want to be the first. <laughs> He's being honest, though. I yeah. appreciate that. Well, because he was afraid of, of unintended consequences that he could have on First Amendment rights. And we'll get to that. Uh, but just very fascinating stuff, because I'm sitting over here like, you pussy, charge him. You right? Know? But it's more complicated than that. But you got to think about, you know, like people who back in the day thought, you know, you pussy pa- passed the crime bill. Mm. because we got to get these you know these gang members behind bars these dangerous people behind bars but it was didn't abused. stop to think about the unintended consequences of that for though. sure yeah so this is this is the kind of the morose uh purposeful deliberacy uh, deliberateness i guess of of Mueller, where he 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 doesn't just think about yeah, this is wrong and fucked up, but how could that infringe on other people's rights in the future if the case is decided in my favor or even against what I say? 
it could set a precedent that has unintended consequences. And he's very careful about doing that. And I think that's why he's so conservative about his prosecutorial decisions. That's why Mueller's Mueller. That's why Mueller's Mueller. <laughs> and that's why we are our own Mullers when it comes to wanting to save ourselves from this crazy wreck. Because that's right. <clears throat> really, all Mueller ended up being here was just a, a note taker. And a law-abiding citizen. Yeah. He just ended up being like, I'm going to get everybody's evidence while it's still fresh and, and everything. And I'm going to put it all together and y'all fuck with it. And we're just picking up the pieces now. Yeah. Yeah. So he was just really a gatherer and a presenter of what went down nice while it was still fresh in people's heads and, and, I, and I, I i want people to understand that before he testifies on thursday because i don't think he's going to give you anything that you haven't heard all right then on to page 180 and the russian government outreach and contacts and this was the long part right this was the long cold winter of our discontent <laughs> and we know no one was charged here he really he reiterates that he uncovered evidence in numerous links between the trump campaign and russia evidence of numerous links between get that collusion uh but he did not pursue charges with the exception of uh FARA violations against manafort and gates uh, and for not re- for not registering as foreign lobbyists for ukraine uh, but one of the interactions, the June 9th, 2016 meeting, implicates uh, an, in, an additional body of law, the campaign, the campaign finance statutes. But before I get to this, it just occurred to me, I haven't seen Vanderswan's name in here. Yeah, maybe that's intentional. And he was charged. Yes, he went with to jail for like a hot five minutes. 30 days, I think, and yeah. then deported and, mm-hmm. uh, for not for failing to register as a foreign agent. Yeah, do you think he might be cooperating? He did cooperate. And maybe gave all he could. So in this case, where is he now? Well, he's in wherever he came from. Switzerland, Sweden, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So why do you, Norway. Why do you think he might have not been included? Any ideas? No. Hmm. But curious. Yeah, it just dawned on me. Yes, because yes. they said, you know, this is the, the declination and, uh, and prosecution Conclusion. conclusions. Yeah. And so why is he not in here? Because here we have Manafort and Gates. With Farah. Yeah. And there was a, a charge for Vanderswan because he conspired with Manafort and Gates um, with uh, Skadden and Arps right. to write that whitewashed report um, justifying the imprisonment of Tymoshenko, which is Yanukovych's uh, opposition in Ukraine. And so the, he was part of that whole thing. Mm-hmm. He failed to register as a foreign agent, but he's not mentioned in here. Very interesting. Hmm, maybe he... Huh? Maybe Mueller will bring him up on Wednesday at the testimony. I don't know. He's not. In, maybe he thought I, he just wasn't important. I, I, he, you know, put him in jail. He had his own episode of Mueller. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and they, and they, and they, you know, they mentioned Pinedo and he was a yeah, bit, a bit a guy. Blip, you know, yeah. Very interesting. I'm really hoping that when Mueller says he won't go beyond his report, people like Van Swan will still be within that, you know, sphere. Because he was arrested and not many people were so that seems significant okay looking it up he's he's mentioned one time way back in the report we mentioned him earlier when we were talking about kalimnik and manafort and hawker and vanderswan uh and the dmi they worked on the report for the ukrainian ministry of foreign affairs right yeah and that and but he's not mentioned in the conclusion yeah in the declination Hmm. of prosecution only 140 characters (laughs) <laughs> just couldn't get it all in there. Maybe they just thought a he, long name. Maybe just thought he wasn't important enough or something. Very interesting. But they specifically say um, the only charges we pursued here in the Russian government outreach and contacts were 
FARA violations against Manafort and Gates for not registering as lobbyists for Ukraine. Which is... And Van der Swan would fit nicely right in that exactly, sentence. Exactly, yeah. So, so he's, he's not lying, he's omitting, and I'm not sure why. Or maybe it's just not important, he thought. He's just kind of a side dude. Yeah, it's a little side piece. But he did give a lot of information on Gates. Yeah, and he's got that, you know, slick hair. It's memorable. He's very tall and... Yeah, lanky. Norwegian looking. He's not like a tall glass of water. What would he be like? I don't know. Dry eyes. (laughs) (laughs) It's not good for you. Nitrous oxide. Uh, Anyway, one of the interactions, uh, the June 9th, 2016 meeting, implicates an additional body of law, and that's campaign finance statutes. Schemes, quote, schemes involving the solicitation or receipt of assistance from foreign sources raise difficult statutory and constitutional questions. As explained below, the office evaluated these questions in connection with a June 9th meeting and redacted for harm to an ongoing matter. Uh, Mueller ultimately concluded that even if Mueller could win on the principle of the legal questions, a prosecution would encounter difficulties proving the campaign officials or individuals connected to the campaign willfully violated the law. So this is the part about Junior being too stupid to know. Right. Uh, And while we have heard that ignorance of the law is no excuse uh, to violate campaign finance laws, you do need to know you're violating the law and you you have to be able to prove it. Yeah, this is where I think those lawyers come back into play. You know, I think they are dumb, but I think the lawyers like kind of help guide them. Like someone smarter has to be responsible for them coincidentally. Oh, how they know. Yeah, hitting the right law with the right excuse. Well, Mueller actually explains in here why he thinks it's not just on the surface that he thinks Trump Jr. is stupid. He actually has reasons that he thinks that Trump Jr. didn't think he was breaking the law. Okay, what are those reasons? I'll I'll tell you here. It's interesting. Uh, But it has to do with the fact that they didn't try real hard to hide it until a year (laughs) later. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. (laughs) On to the middle of page 180, where Mueller addresses the potential coordination, conspiracy, and collusion. Here, Mueller reiterates again that he didn't examine uh, the Russian contacts with the Trump campaign under the rubric of collusion, but rather through the lens of criminal conspiracy. And not only that, he now acknowledges the word collude appears in Rosenstein's August 2nd memo outlining the scope of Mueller's charge at Mueller's scope. Basically, it's the Rosenstein said, you can look at Manafort for crimes of collusion. And we all went, oh, so collusion's a crime. Yeah, that was confusing. Uh, and collusion's also he, he Mueller says it appeared in a lot of public reporting um, as well as in some antitrust law. Mm. And um, we're going to get into that we got into that with uh, Asha Rangappa during our live show in Philadelphia we last did, night yeah. about that. And so, and you you know, if you listen to the episode that comes out Sunday, you'll get to hear that. So we discussed the, the use of the words crimes of collusion in that memo. And we concluded early on when that memo came out that if the, when the public got a hold of it, a redacted version of it, that the attorney general was using it. If, if he was, it must mean collusion's a crime somehow. But after Mueller's report was released, we learned about communications between Rosenstein and Trump where Rosenstein assured Trump he could land this plane in reference to the Mueller investigation. And in that light, I personally have to question Rosenstein's motives here. Um, Using confusing language is a well-known and widely used Russian active measure called reflexive control. Um, Seth Abramson addresses this vehemently in his curative reporting, uh, and as have we and Asha Rangappa, as I mentioned. And this concerns me immensely. And as far as the usage in antitrust law, I'm assuming... Um, that that's in reference to price fixing. Antitrust laws are about limiting monopolies and price fixing within an industry. So, for example, if all the airlines got together and said, 
nobody charged less than $500 and we can all charge what we want. That's collusion. Exactly. But in finance, you know, it's the only place where it has teeth, really. It seems like they knew, they were like kind of like uh, Hansel and Gretel just leading them into the crime they wanted them to investigate. Yeah. And Mueller has said there's no art uh, in the, of, of collusion in the art of law. Or he uses the term art and I love that. But yeah. um, I'm like, that's very arty of you <laughs> uh, for such a straight ahead guy. But um, they, they, it does show up. The word does show up in antitrust laws. And Mueller brings that up. He says, even so antitrust laws, even though Trump says it all the time, even though Rosenstein said it all the time, there's no such thing, guys, so stop. Yeah. And he's very adamant about it. So because he knows, I think, that it's being utilized. Planted, uh, perhaps. In an active measures type way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Mueller says, despite the word being used <clears throat> in those antitrust laws by the media administration, Rosenstein, collusion is not a specific offense or theory uh, uh, or theory of liability, nor is it a term of art. That's what he says. A term of art <laughs> in federal criminal law. I want a painting of that. I want to like make a song or an album with that title. <laughs> so for those reasons, Mueller set out to determine if the numerous contacts between the Russians and the Trump campaign could trigger liability for the crime of conspiracy. Way harder to prove. So here's the official declination language. The investigation did not establish that contacts described in Volume 1, Section 4, Supra, amounted to an agreement to commit any substantive violation of federal criminal law, including foreign influence and campaign finance laws, both of which are discussed further below. The office, therefore, did not charge any individual associated with the Trump campaign with conspiracy to commit a federal offense arising from Russia contacts, either under a specific statute or under Section 371's offense clause. So that's the language from the report. Nice. And I hope Mueller doesn't read that because it's boring as shit. Yeah, <laughs> I don't well, think he doesn't American, want to be there, so he might. <laughs> I don't think the American public needs to hear that. Not at all. If, although I just made you listen to it. I was going to say, in that voice, is actually pretty entertaining, though. Thank you. That way, yeah. But it's an important piece so because to understand why he didn't do this. Um, and then he goes into detail. So Mueller didn't charge anyone with Section 371's defraud clause, meaning he didn't charge anyone with obstructing or interfering with a lawful function of a government agency. And finally, Mueller didn't identify evidence that any campaign official knowingly or willfully conspired to defraud the United States based on the Russia-related contacts. So basically, he's just saying, you all, they were all a bunch of dumb fucks who didn't realize what was happening. Yeah, or they lied, you know, which Yes, or I, didn't, I wasn't able to, to establish enough key pieces of evidence because they lied or destroyed the evidence yeah. or, or used encryption or messaging apps. when you're the president, you can get your story straight before anything happens. You can pause the Mueller report and get your... <laughs> yeah. yeah encryption or encrypted messaging apps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're all, it's shitty. Um, section two on page 181 covers the FARA considerations. He then defines the law, which says you can't act as an agent of a foreign government without telling the attorney general. It says without telling the AG. You have to tell me. You have to report to me. <laughs> uh, and then the act um, doesn't have to be espionage. It can be any type of act, like writing an op-ed for Turkey or whitewashing a report about an imprisoned Ukrainian opposition candidate, mm -hmm. both of which happened. Um, the first by Flynn and the second by Manafort, Vanders Juan, Rick Gates, and Greg Craig. He also doesn't imagine, I think he mentions him earlier in the report, but not in, yeah. the, in the, it could be one of the harm to the ongoing matters thing, because I think he handed it off. Okay, okay. Vanders Juan might have been handed off too. Maybe that's why he's not in the report, but he mentions him earlier. Yeah. On the bottom of page 182, Mueller says Manafort and Gates engaged in extensive work for the government of Ukraine, specifically Yanukovych, a pro-Russian pro -Russian separatist. Uh, Mueller then mentions he found evidence Flynn acted as an agent of Turkey without registering, and he admitted it as part of his cooperation agreement. And a lot of shit has happened since then, <laughs> including uh, public reporting that Flynn sent direct Twitter messages to Matt Gates, congressman from Florida, 
And once Gates, because Gates basically went on Fox News and trashed Mueller. And then Flynn was like, good job. Keep up the good work, bro. And then the second time he messaged him, direct messaged him, he sent Gates a flag gif and an eagle gif. And that was on the day Bill Barr was appointed. Oh, my gosh. After he's cooperating. That's really weird. So Judge Sullivan, the judge in Flynn's case, warned Flynn during a sentencing hearing last December, um, six months, five months before the, no, four months before the Mueller report came out, um, that it would not behoove him uh, to be sentenced that day. Go forth and keep cooperating. Because even though Mueller recommended zero jail time for Flynn, Sullivan asked Mueller's prosecutors if they'd consider charging him with treason. <laughs> and then, it, and it didn't seem like he was going to let him off the hook, Right. I was sitting there, do it, do it, right? charge him, put him in jail. But he's like, go try to cooperate more. Get out of my sight, basically. I don't even want to talk to you. Yeah. Go to your room. You can't sit with us. You can't sit with us. You can't sit with us. <laughs> um, Sullivan uh, would later order the release of, of a voicemail that Trump's lawyer, John Dowd, who we call Wormtail, uh, left for Flynn's lawyer. So he left this, uh, Dowd left this voicemail for Flynn's lawyer, threatening him not to cooperate. Let me put this in starker terms for you. Mm-hmm. Um, not to cooperate with Mueller. And then they dangled a pardon. Like, you know, everybody loves you, bro. <laughs> it was pretty obvious. Um, and Sullivan then also ordered the transcripts of Flynn's conversations with Kislyak released, but the government intervened as if to say, <clears throat> you can't release those. <laughs> yeah. And so Sullivan conceded. Uh, it makes me wonder about that one harm to an ongoing matter redaction in Mueller's report. And more recently, Flynn fired his attorneys and is now no longer a cooperating witness in the trial of his business partner who was charged with FARA violations for the lobbying that he and Flynn did on behalf of Turkey. Um, They wrote that anti-Gulen op-ed. Oh, yeah. He had a lot of Turkey shenanigans going on. With uh, Alkim Alptekin, uh, mm-hmm. the other guy in the case. And, and he was supposed to be the star witness, but the prosecution says they can no longer trust Flynn. And since he's no longer a credible witness, he's been pulled from testifying in the Keon case. And he's been dubbed a co-conspirator instead of a cooperating witness. Wow. And it's of note that Flynn's new lawyer is an outspoken anti-Muller conspiracy theorist. Who, oh, yeah. <laughs> she runs the Creeps on a Mission website about the Mueller investigation and has publicly called for Flynn to withdraw his guilty plea and for Trump to pardon him. So... So then we have a very uh, deliberate statement from Mueller on the bottom of page 183 that says, in particular, the office did not find evidence likely to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that campaign officials such as Paul Manafort, George Papadopoulos and Carter Page acted as the agents of the Russian government or at its direction or control or at its request during the relevant time period. So did not find evidence likely to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, meaning there's evidence. So you can send this statement to anyone who says there's zero evidence of collusion. <laughs> we know for a fact that in order to have probable cause to even open an investigation, you have to have like a 2%. Nice, like milk. Yep. Yeah. And then for a preponderance of the evidence, it's 50.1%, mm. more likely than not. A reasonable doubt is like 99%. So. Yeah. And Jay-Z's album, I think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's mathematically correct that there is evidence of members of the Trump campaign acting as agents of Russia. And I think Mueller was conservative here and that's a shame i mean he is a republican right <laughs> he's a he's a, just a conservative dude he all really around. is through and through mm-hmm. i respect it i am uh finally <laughs> muller muller says he looked into whether papadopoulos acted as an is, agent of israel but did not have evidence beyond a reasonable doubt to charge him this is the first time we've heard of that so there's yeah. some evidence that papadop was an agent of israel weird i know what the hell <laughs> Thought we knew everything coffee about boy in Israel. <laughs> we knew everything about that guy. Nice. They probably have great coffee out there. I don't know. <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> um, then 
Uh, the ongoing matter in the footnote is likely the Bijan Kian and Akeem Altikin case I mentioned earlier. That's uh, the only ongoing thing that's going on right now that I can think of. Um, the other footnote is about Carter Page's FISA warrant, and I think Mueller puts this in here because Page's surveillance is one of the cruxes of the argument that is, you know, the deep state, um, you know, anti-Mueller guys, and that the Mueller investigation was illegitimate because the FISC uh, used Christopher Steele's dossier as part of one of their four applications for fi- a FISA warrant, which were signed by Rosenstein. Huh. <clears throat> and in recent reports, the inspector general questioned Steele uh, as part of Trump's investigation into the oranges <laughs> of the investigation, which is origins. It's, that's a Trump joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're listening to this 40 years from now, Trump mispronounces words all the time. One of them is origins. He's tried to say it like twice and he kept saying oranges. They're like, we don't have oranges anymore. Global warming took it out. <laughs> yeah, they're like, what's an orange 30 years from now? What is even an orange? <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what that is. I'm going to have to Google that. What's the origins of everything? With my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh anyway that's why we say into the why we say we usually replace the word origins with oranges and of course anonymous anonymous mm-hmm. so anyway um that's whole trump's whole thing right trump and trumpers and Barr. they're like you know we have to look at the investigate the investigators and steel is a dirty dossier <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, the, the inspector general uh, questioned him, grilled him for 16 hours, steel, and found him to be highly credible. Um, Page is a known Russian stooge. He was caught up in Russian spy rings twice before. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Mueller uh, states that the FISA warrants have to meet the probable, probable cause standard, which is much lower than reasonable doubt, just even if he seems like a creep on a mission. <laughs> uh, we're going to turn the tables. <clears throat> I mean, it's just more fitting for him. It really is. It's the hat. <laughs> Um, anyway, the, that's the standard and it, as if to defend, so he's, it's, Miller seems like he's defending the legitimacy of the surveillance, which occurred by the way, after P- Page left the Trump campaign. So yeah. Trump like, they're spying on my campaign. He's just paranoid. No. Check his hat. They're wiretaping. <laughs> they're wiretaping his hat. <laughs> it's in his hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we'll be right back after this quick word. Muller, she wrote, is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. And as a business owner, I'm here to tell you, the hiring process can be overwhelming sometimes. Stacks and stacks of resumes from tons of different job sites. You have to sort through them all, trying to determine if any of them meet your minimum qualifications. It can be really daunting, but there's an easy way, and you can get it all done in one place by heading to ZipRecruiter.com AG. First, ZipRecruiter will send your job uh, to over like 100 of the web's leading job boards. So you don't have to do that. You used to have to post them individually. It's terrible. So ZipRecruiter does that for you. Then they scan thousands of resumes that are out posted for, you know, for you to find people with the right qualifications to apply for your job. And they invite them to do so. And as the applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and highlights the top candidates for you so that you won't miss the perfect match. ZipRecruiter's process is so effective that four out of five employers that use ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first 24 hours. That's amazing. So right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash AG. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash AG. ZipRecruiter.com slash AG. You'll be glad you did. All right, guys, ladies, gentlemen, them, they, welcome back. Um, we're on to the bottom of page 183 and the campaign finance violation considerations. So Mueller looked into two instances where the Russians offered dirt on Hillary to help Trump. And that's the June 9th Trump Tower meeting and some other redacted instance. And it's redacted for harm to an ongoing matter. And I wonder if this is XAML 
the Psy Group, that offer from the August 3rd Trump Tower meeting, or if it's the Stone WikiLeaks matter, or if it's the inaugural Trump Victory Pack NRA matter. All like, of the above. I don't know what it is. I feel like the Victory Pack and the NRA and, and the inaugural hand, were handed off. Um, and I know they're still... The stone was handed off to D.C. after his report was concluded. So I don't this could be Zamel Sci Group uh, or Stone. And then one of the other one was just handed off to somebody else. But weird, right? Yeah. Like, there's so many options. <laughs> and he only has one redacted thing. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there is Appendix D, which has like, uh, f- I think it was 15 or 16 ongoing invest, like handed off investigations, two of which we know about. The, yeah. other, the rest are just totally. Mm-hmm. It's a crapshoot. There are 12, I think, are covered up. Uh, Mueller then defines all the pertinent laws about how campaigns can't take anything of value from a foreign government and limits the contributions to campaigns. Uh, He specifically quotes the law that a violation must be knowing and willful, and that's important for what's about to come. And on page 185, we get to the application of the law to the Trump Tower meeting, and Mueller says, they considered charging campaign members, but because of the significant burden of proof in campaign finance law, which requires both knowing and willful intent, Coupled with establishing value of the offered information, Mueller didn't feel he could obtain and sustain a conviction here. So, yeah, just didn't have it. Or, you know, I mean, we know what happened, but in order to be charged with it, it's quite a bit. Yeah, I just think of all the lawyers who made their money just by taking advantage of this fact and just are like, hey, I can get you off because we can just make it seem like this wasn't there. It just seems too easy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But we also have to give our love to defense attorneys that's true i am suspicious when it comes to they these do the good matters work. but you're right they're great people hashtag not all defense lawyers <laughs> you're absolutely right i was thinking about the sketchy people because when we talk about these crimes i'm like they were definitely criming but they were so clever that someone was helping them avoid well that could have just been legal advisors you know yeah. that could have just been like secular you're totally right like, you and... know pew pew guy yeah flood <laughs> right <laughs> not necessarily or yet criminal defense lawyers fair just, enough legal advisors yeah yeah good point um so Mueller considered whether to offer uh, Mueller considered whether the offer of dirt from goldstone to junior established a conspiracy to violate the foreign contributions ban he says there are reasonable arguments that what was offered was a thing of value uh, but the office did not obtain admissible evidence that junior acted knowingly and willfully with a general knowledge of the illegality beyond a reasonable doubt and that the government would have had a hard time establishing that the value of what was offered would exceed the threshold for a criminal violation. And on page 186, Mueller tries to explain this and starts out by saying that the law is pretty broad when it talks about things of value. It doesn't have to be money. So he set out to figure if dirt on Hillary in the form of documents and information would constitute a prohibited campaign contribution. So he argues for over a page here using case law for similar situations Uh, to dirt on Hillary, or opposition research. And he's trying to find out if it's a thing of value. But then he turns on us, because it looks like he's going one way, because he's like, well, this is kind of like dirt on Hillary, and they said it was a thing of value, and this is kind of like opposition research, and they said that was a thing of value. Right, setting us up. And then he goes, but, you know, at the end of the page, he says there's never been a judicial decision uh, about voluntary provision of uncompensated opposition research. Uh, a first-time decision could have negative implications um, by either imposing limits on campaign contributions or infringing on First Amendment rights. And this is Mueller saying this? I get it. <clears throat> yep, so he didn't want to be the first. I just think that was 
passing the buck. He knows someone has to do it, clearly, but he's like, I won't be the guy. I mean, he's human. Yeah, if you're not the guy and this isn't the time, what is? Exactly. <laughs> we like, need t-shirts for that shit. Right. Yeah. I, you know, he's just very conscientious about infringing on somebody's First Amendment rights. I get it. It comes from a good place. It I just, does. It oh, probably comes wish, from that whole war thing. Yeah, I wish he were more of a martyr, you know, just fall on the sword. Mueller. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's a lot of responsibility. <laughs> it is. And, you, you know, you don't want to look back or have it known that one tiny decision you made took the country on a left turn into infringement on freedom yeah, of speech. Yeah, butterfly effect. Yeah. For sure. Um, then the section on willfulness on page 187 where Mueller says, even if the government could prove that the dirt was a thing of value, Mueller could not provide admissible evidence that would prove the defendant had an understanding that what he was doing was illegal. For, uh, for these campaign finance violations, the law requires proof the defendant has knowledge of the law. So ignorance of the law is an excuse in this case, <laughs> and Junior apparently is ignorant of the law. Okay, let's get a t-shirt of that instead. <laughs> So Mueller would need uh, evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the Trump folks knew they were breaking the law. You'd have to have that evidence that they knew it. And apparently, and this is what we're, I, I was alluding to earlier, they didn't try hard enough to cover it up, cover the meeting up. Right. Mueller said, I know they tried to cover it up a year later, a lot, but that only proves they didn't want negative political consequences. And, and, and it does not establish that they knew what they were doing at the time was illegal. So you'll see the term scienter used here a lot in the report, and that just means knowledge of wrongness. Oh, not like a scientist. Nope. <laughs> and that's a weird concept when you're dealing with privileged or sociopathic people who never think they're doing anything wrong or that the law doesn't apply to them. So how do you prove somebody knows that they're breaking the law if they're, they think so highly of themselves that they think yeah. they're above the law like are they ever capable of criming in that case right like hmm. super privileged guys don't think the law applies to them so it, how could they ever possibly have a corrupt intent i think this is how they've been getting away with it i Maybe. think we got to the bottom of privilege uh oh <laughs> we did we we figured it out we should write a book privilege and law <laughs> <laughs> why it happened <laughs> why it is what it do in parentheses <laughs> um, but i hope when all this is said and done we fix the laws for sure. Um, I don't know how to do that without infringing on people's rights. This is a you thin win some, line you to lose walk. Some. <laughs> you got to break some eggs. Uh, you know, maybe put a threshold. If you make, if you're more than a, if you're worth more than ten million dollars, this shit applies to you. Yes. Why not? <laughs> Let's try that. Like you don't have to have knowledge of the law if you're super rich yeah, in order for crazy. me to charge you with a law mm -hmm. because you probably don't think laws apply to you anyway. Yeah, yeah. We need to address privilege with these laws. I don't think we do enough. That's weird. Um, on to page 188 and the explanation. I know I probably just violated 10 things of the Constitution, oh, so me. don't at me. But, did, <laughs> but did I'm you, still thinking like, it. I just thought is a philosophical point. If right. you think you're so effing special that the law does not apply to you literally, then how can you ever be proven beyond a reasonable doubt to have willful knowledge yeah. of criminal intent i mean that's the biggest question of what we're dealing with here because our president is that person <clears throat> that's strange um on to page 188 and the explanation of why it was difficult to assign value to the dirt on hillary so the value thresholds for the law are two thousand dollars for a criminal violation and it has to be over twenty five thousand dollars worth of whatever for a felony Mueller also says uh here that although dirt on hillary certainly has value they never got the dirt uh, and while value and conspiracy may well be measured by what they expected to receive, Goldstone's description of, of what it was wasn't specific enough. Mm. And the uncertainty of uh, what was to be delivered is reflected in Junior's response, if it's what you say, I love it. So for was all these reasons... Was that deliberate? I don't know. 
He's too stupid. Um, <laughs> so for all these reasons, Mueller did not charge anyone in connection with the June 9th, 2016 Trump Tower meeting. Okay, okay. I get that his hands were tied once again. Um, we gotta do something about this, though, because Goldstone could be a sketchy motherfucker, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just weird, right? Yeah. Uh, bottom of page 188, we get to the application of this law uh, to something redacted for harm to an ongoing matter. And I assume this is where Mueller is applying the campaign finance laws governing foreign contributions, maybe to Roger Stone, maybe to Zamel. Uh, maybe the hacked emails, maybe Psy Group Israel, and, and maybe that's what, why they looked into um, Papadopoulos as an agent. I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing. Just throwing stuff out there. Um, that might be what's under the redaction bars. Mueller explains why Stone was not charged with a felony because he, too, uh, is too dumb to know he was breaking the law. <laughs> um, and if it is Stone, because on page 190, under willfulness for this redacted guy or people or lady... Uh, under the willfulness section, Mueller says that given what's noted in the redacted boxes above, uh, he would have Mueller would have a substantial barrier to prosecution. And I'm sure uh, this isn't what he means, but it sounds like he's saying Stone is substantially stupid. Yes, another bumper <laughs> sticker for the win. I just can't help but get so angry thinking that in any other case where this was a poor person committing a crime... They can't be too stupid. I've never heard of that working out for a poor person or just someone who's not privileged. I think those are different kinds of crimes. Like white collar versus blue collar. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. It's mm-hmm. already segregated. Yeah, <laughs> it is. We just set it up for them. Um, the the Mueller, uh, the Mueller report then touches on the First Amendment considerations in regards to the case. And that may be about the distribution of stolen materials and, and how that's a First Amendment right. We've talked about this, like I said. Mueller may have decided here, uh, and I'm guessing because it's all redacted and it might not have even be about Stone and WikiLeaks, but Mueller may have decided not to indict Assange or WikiLeaks or Stone um, so he wouldn't imperil the First Amendment rights of legit media outlets because the law here doesn't put the burden of, of proving your legitimacy as a media, media outlet. So mm. there's no definition of Assange is not a legit media outlet. WikiLeaks is not. Uh, Washington Post is. Uh, this is all new to the law. I get that too. Yeah, this makes a lot of sense the way Mueller spelled it out. I also think that since like as far as white collar criming goes, um, it seems like with Andrew McCabe's book, we got away from that because of terrorism right prosecuting it but now it seems like white collar crimes and terrorism are like overlapping i wonder if that would be a good reason for them to kind of loop back around and address it more heavily maybe um i i definitely think we'll have to have a new uh, attorney general oh uh, yeah uh to do <laughs> yeah to- if kamala loses the election i say she would be a genius ag right she would she'd be yeah. great she'd be certainly great she was great ag in california so she's oh yeah a good cop um, on to page 190. I mean, she's, she's made some mistakes. We've all made mistakes. But True. Th- we've yeah. had discussions about this, too. Which AG has not made mistakes? Like, <laughs> I certainly have. Uh, I'm not attorney general, though, just as me, as myself. Yeah, yeah. Just human. But, um, you know, she went into a corrupt system to try to fix it. And there's, yep. You can't just walk in and have the corruption end with you. There's going to be lap overlap corruption. Totally. And, Obama had the same problem. And you're going to get hit with it. So Right? Sometimes people are like, oh, but they should get it. They should be pure because they know. It's like, no, humans are humans. You like, can't just stop these things because you don't like them anymore. Because mm-hmm. it, it the butterfly effect, it affects 96 different things. Yep. And then you could start a war with Norway and you didn't even realize it. So. Right. <laughs> I have no idea what it's like to be an AG except the one I am or or the president. But I, every decision has a thousand consequences. down ballot, dis, you know, totally. consequences. Yeah, like a laser beam effect. Trump yeah. doesn't care about them. <laughs> so, 
Uh, this is again. This is. I think this is just Mueller looking forward about not wanting to have unintended consequences negatively impacting the First Amendment rights yeah, of legitimate media outlets. For sure, what we consider to be legitimate media outlets, because the law doesn't recognize what is and is not. Interesting. Um, on to page one ninety one about who lied and who obstructed. And as in the previous section, he begins with the governing law. Uh, which people refer to as a 1001 violation. That's lying. Mm. He also defines perjury, section 1623. And the main difference is whether or not you're under oath. Yeah, sorry, that 1001 violation just reminds me of like Dalmatians. 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> yeah. 1001 violation. We need like a movie poster. Somebody, please. <laughs> Asha Rangappa in a big spotted fur coat. Yes. Like, mm. Oh, I love it with the white and the black hair. Don't oh, lie to me, totally darling. Totally pull that off. That'd be great. <laughs> Uh, and obstruction of justice is the, the third thing here. And he lays out that there's three elements of obstruction of justice, which include you have to have an obstructive act, then you have to have some sort of nexus between the act and an official proceeding. Nexus meaning a connection mm-hmm. uh, between what you've done and an official proceeding. And then criminal intent. And that, that'll become really important in volume two. Mm-hmm. Because even though that intent is really hard to prove, I think eight out of the ten instances of obstruction of justice in volume two he was able to clearly establish intent and he and and Mueller even laid out the three things yeah and whether or not each of those things rose to the level of criminality that's one of the pros to trump being like investigated after being president he's always on camera there was so much evidence obstructing but behind the scenes during the campaign there was less i mean there was attention but i wasn't paying attention to him so. yeah and if he keeps yeah. obstructing past uh, January 20th, 2020. Mm-hmm. I think your record. <laughs> well, then if he's reelected, he, the statute of limitations doesn't, you know, that clock doesn't start ticking until you're done criming. Oh, so he would have to stop obstructing justice, meaning stop stonewalling the investigations by Congress yeah. this January in order to let the in order to have the five year statute of limitation lapse until he's out of office and could be charged with it. Uh, he must be thinking about that. Someone had to have told him. If I thought of it, he should know it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is an idiot in I'm, many ways, but that's. I mean, he's just, got a lot of lawyers around. Yeah, him. totally. Um, anyway, that it's that whole obstruction thing and intent is going to be really important in volume two. It's going to be really important during the Mueller testimony next Wednesday. So. Yes. So keep an eye out for those three things uh, when you watch that testimony. And, and again, those are uh, an obstructive act and then some sort of connection between the act and an official proceeding and criminal intent or corrupt intent. Um, then we get to the application of the laws uh, and Mueller starts with Papadop. Okay. He lied, lied about meeting with uh, Mifsud and Polanskaya and Timofeev. And he lied about the extent and import of his chats with Mifsud. And he lied about saying that he met Polanskaya before he joined the campaign and when he met her after, and he minimized the extent of their communications. Mueller says these lies impeded his investigation by hindering the investigator's ability to challenge Mifsud when he lied to them. Uh, so he was charged. He pleaded guilty. He went to jail for 14 days. He paid a $9,500 fine. Yeah, yeah, that was that. Yep. Then on to the next guy who was redacted for privacy. And the information is redacted for grand jury material. I don't, huh. I don't know who the person is, but they have a very short name. Oh, okay. Yes. Shorter, shorter than Michael <laughs> Flynn, hmm. shorter than Jeff Sessions. Um, the redaction bar is Oh, shorter. it's like a Mueller crossword, right? Yeah, it's like a <laughs> fill in the blank. I love it. Uh, so that's redacted. And then there's Michael Flynn. He made two false statements to the FBI. First about his chats with Kislyak about sanctions and the response to Russian sanctions. And second about his calls to Russia about the UN Council vote on Israeli settlements. Specifically, he said he only asked how the countries were voting. He wasn't trying to get them to change their vote. Mm-hmm. So Mueller charged him. He pleaded guilty and admitted to falsifying his FARA documents, and he's awaiting sentencing. 
Of course, we know he's no longer a cooperating witness. He's opened himself up to being charged with FARA violations if the government thinks it's worth pursuing. Uh, Judge Sullivan has issued another order in this case this week because Flynn's new anti-Muller lawyers, remember the crazy lady? Power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, she, uh, she says she's not getting the documents they need fast enough from Flynn's former attorneys, the, Cover- the Covington Burlington guys, or Covington Burlington, uh, I don't know. The yeah, Burlington factory guys. Burlington Coat Factory <laughs> lawyers. So Judge Sullivan is making all the lawyers come into the next hearing, and he's getting a legal professional ethics person from the District of Columbia Bar Association wow. to lecture Flynn's lawyers on what it means to be a professional lawyer. It's like really subtle, <laughs> very passive aggressive. Like right, like do what he says. Oh, all right, you're not going to get your documents soon enough? Well, we need to apparently go back to law school. And he's bringing in a person. To, <laughs> Basically. It's so funny. Um, and I think we learned recently that the head of the DC Bar Association might actually be a former Covington Burlington Coat Factory lawyer, which wow. would be funny because yeah, they'd be like, like hey, yeah. Bob, hey, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> That is great. <laughs> then we get to Michael Cohen. And as we know, Cohen testified to the hipsy and the sissy. That's the uh, short terms for the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, hipsy, and Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, sissy. And this is one of the great arguments as to why it's GIF and not GIF. Because everybody says it has to be a hard G because G stands for graphics. But we don't base our pronunciation of acronyms on the underlying words. Damn, dropping knowledge. Hipsy and sissy. Okay. There's definitely hard C's in there for committee. <laughs> I could be defined by both those things. I mean, hippie and a sissy. Yeah. Hipsy sissy. Uh, so anyway, before he appeared, Cohen sent a letter to, to them with uh, saying, here's what I'm going to testify to. And they had three big problems. First, he said the Trump Tower project ended January 2017. Lie. Then he said he never agreed to travel to Russia as part of the project. Lie. And then he said he did not recall any Russian contacts about the project. Lie. <laughs> uh, so his testimony was consistent with those statements, the bullshit statements he made. And he also told Mueller's office the same lies. So Mueller charged him, and he pleaded guilty to a single count, and Mueller recommended zero jail time. But the Southern District of New York that was handling the hush money payments case and the campaign finance violation case was not so lenient, and they were pretty angry at him (laughs) and sentenced him to three years, and he's in jail right now serving time for crimes that he committed at the direction of individual one, which is Trump. Yeah. And just today, the judge in the Southern District of New York that was looking into the Trump organization's involvement in the cover-up, released 895 pages of unredacted Cohen warrant materials. And we didn't learn, or uh, there was, a lot of it was stuff we knew because they were only kind of redacted, but there was a 19-page chunk that was redacted in those warrants when they were released last year. Yeah, and we can see them now? We saw them today. Oh. And basically we learned that Trump Pecker from the Inquirer, Dylan Howard, the legal counsel from the Inquirer, Michael Cohen, and Keith Davidson, the lawyer for Karen McDougal and Stormy Daniels. Oh, not Pete Davidson. Got it, got it. We're all in uh, constant communication. It'd be funny if he was the one guy. Like, hey, <laughs> yes. guys, what's up? Like every SNL sketch <clears throat> just walks in like, hey, fucking shit up. And anyway, they were all in constant communication about the Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal hush money payments. There's flurry of communications, activities after the um, that... Uh, Pussy tape came out, mm-hmm. the Billy Bush thing. Yeah, um, the Access Hollywood tape. Yeah, the Access Hollywood tape. That's what they Pussy tape it. is better, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also learned that uh, we were right when we guessed that in April of 2018, Keith Davidson and Michael Cohen were in cahoots on these hush money payment scheme payoff things because these new unsealed documents show that it was... Uh, the guys from the Inquirer that introduced the two and said, hey, I got a business opportunity oh. for you, too. 
Keith Davidson, I'll turn it over to Cohen. And wow. so they work together to get these to get this hush money payments. Crazy. Uh, I'm now hoping New York Attorney General picks up this case uh, since the Fed seemed to be done with it. Though the investigation ended in what I consider to be strange circumstances, as Robert Kuzami, the prosecutor who led the Cohen investigation, stepped down right after Barr was confirmed. And although there were several leads that they were exploring that came out of the more recent Cohen testimony where he spilled the beans. They just stopped investigating after Barr got there. Five months ago, it went dark. Um, I think this pissed off the judge, this federal judge today, and that's why he felt it necessary to release all this previously redacted Cohen warrant information. (laughs) And I really hope Tish James picks it up and prosecutes it. She can't prosecute campaign finance, federal campaign finance laws, because those are federal. But but she could certainly, uh, you know... Uh, prosecute the Trump organization for falsifying their business records by saying they were reimbursing Cohen uh, for legal services yes. and not for his illegal campaign. Dude, she totally needs to alley hoop this. She should. Balls in her court. It is. Come on, Tish. Get it. <laughs> There's got to be other crimes involved in there that, yeah. that need to be pursued and looked at within the Trump organization. Yeah, yeah. We she's, could start a Tishy road, too, if she really gets serious about it. <laughs> like, she road. has so many things she could do. Yes, absolutely. Um, then there's another, another redacted person with harm to an ongoing matter who also has a short name. Maybe it's Roger Stone. Uh, and then on the bottom of one, uh, page 197 is Jeff Sessions' turn. And this is where Mueller decided he didn't have sufficient evidence that Sessions knowingly lied because Sessions said he, he w- his understanding of all the times he was asked if he had contacts with Russians, he thought the questioner was asking if he met with Russians to exchange campaign information. Um, I still think that's bullshit. But if Mueller says he can't obtain and sustain a conviction, he's smarter than me, so I defer. <laughs> uh, on to the final section about other folks interviewed. And this is kind of a weird, vague section. He says, he says we interviewed other people uh, and thought about their lies and, and their omissions, but we didn't charge anyone else other than the folks listed here, sometimes because of evidentiary hurdles, other times because they didn't lie at all. Um, but then there appeared to be a list of three people they thought about charging with lying, but ultimately didn't. But they're all redacted for personal privacy. I was thinking one of them might be Junior, but we have no evidence that Mueller interviewed Junior. Mm. Like, wouldn't you have to interview him to determine that he was too stupid to know that the Trump Tower meeting was against the law? Maybe. Or you could just, like, watch him. <laughs> totally. You just, you know, just keep an eye on him. Yeah, just hear the words that come out of his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, just... <laughs> That's how you know. That's how you know. Um and then, because and we, we know he lied to Congress about the timeline of the Trump Tower in Moscow, but there's no mention of it that we can see. Perhaps mm-hmm. one day we'll find out. Or maybe Junior did speak with Mueller and we don't know. And that's what this grand jury redaction is. Oh. Um, in fact, my beans, I think, are on Trump Jr. having testified to the grand jury, but pleaded the fifth. Uh, because Mueller mentions in the beginning that it wasn't just encrypted apps and encrypted emails and uh, lies that made it hard for him to establish evidence. But he mentioned people pleading the fifth. Hmm. And we don't have a list of who all did it. So, yeah, fair game. Because that's all grand jury material. Because you plead the fifth to the grand jury. Okay, this makes a lot more sense now. So, and that's what's under one of those redacted considerations on page 199, I think. And maybe it says, Junior pleaded the fifth, so we were unable to charge him with lying. Um, I still still don't know why he wasn't charged with lying to Congress. I suppose it's because Congress would have to charge him, right? Yeah, they'd have to make a criminal referral to the Department of Justice. And we know who works there. (laughs) We know who's there. Yeah, it just it seems like obstruction, which we'll get into extensively in volume two, which starts next Thursday. Mm -hmm. And that's the day after Mueller testifies to the public. But the day before we travel to Chicago for our live show there and the same way, same week we premiere Daily Beans. That's our new daily news pod for your morning commute. Yes, very busy. So guys, that is the declinations and the criminal prosecutions 
section yes of the report i appreciate the way he did that i always appreciate the way Mueller writes but that was a really good conclusion little summary there yeah and there's a couple things i disagree with but like it's fair that, yeah you know like i said i'm i'm a little probably less conservative but i i i would probably be less careful with the law yeah that's probably what it boils down to is that that's why you're a great podcaster is because you get to be you know your <laughs> I get to semi-radical self right make, make conjecture without hurting people's exactly rights of yeah. free speech you do much more good this way <laughs> but Mueller's he's stuck probably way safer for me to be ag of a podcast instead of ag of the country <laughs> exactly i love this universe that we're in yeah well aside from the obvious but yeah Mueller seemed like he was stuck between like a stone and a hard place and it's just like he can't do anything he just is he has, tells us what it is that's really yeah him. he's yeah. like here's what i could do here's what i couldn't do mm-hmm. um and then yeah you're just like you said through the mic to congress yep go and they need to pick that shit up yeah we'll which they're see. trying but there's so much infighting and then now this stuff with a cinder <clears throat> back like it's just they're distracted and and pelosi seems like she's trying to keep them on track and it's tough. Uh, I, I hope they don't fuck up the questioning next yeah. week i really really hope so i think trump is hoping that all of this will throw <clears throat> them off he like anger will take over them or something yeah and right now again if you're listening to this in the future to give you a little uh, bit of what's going on right now this weekend uh trump tweeted some racist tweets about four uh congresswomen of color Mm -hmm. and that blew up in his face and then he doubled down on it uh and said they should go back where they come from and uh and then in his rally last night while we were on stage Two fifty six. Mm-hmm. One two one oh two fifty six. You got it. And at his rally last night while we were performing um in Philly, he was talking about Ilhan Omar and the crowd started chanting, Send her back. Back. Not yeah. home. Nope. Back. Send her back. Yep. And um that was really surreal to see, even as we're living through it. And mm-hmm. I can't imagine how I must feel for her. But yeah, it all seems like he's trying to distract from the countless things that are coming up for him. The Mueller testimony, the Epstein case. Yes. Is, uh, he just, uh, Epstein today was refused bail. He's probably going to die in jail now. Yes, um, he's gonna be he in, should. He's going to be in jail until his trial, and then he will probably uh, Stay hopefully there. be convicted. And Yep. For faces up to 45 years yeah so yeah. that's happening and, and that's way overdue so yeah. and i had a history teacher in high school who always told me that you know you follow these things linearly but it's important to mention what's going on at the time and i just want to kind of paint it up paint a tiny picture about some of the things that are going on in, yeah. in the face of Mueller's testimony next week it's a big big week for our country i mean i know it's weird to say like as we're living it but and then t- it today trump comes on tv and tried to try to distance himself from his crowd saying i didn't chant it with them right and then he said well if you heard i cut him off i I immediately started talking and the actual official count of the chant was he let him chant for 15 seconds until they stopped wow they died down and then he continued yeah at the clip i watched he didn't seem like he was trying to shut anybody up so he was looking around with that look on his face taking it in yep basking Mm. in it Mm. hatred and the the trolls are out man the races are out and they have been but now he really got him riled up so scary times but i will say um my my final thought on everything on this week is that that face app i don't know if you noticed a lot of people have these old russian old russian old app (laughs) yeah spoiler alert the russians did it yeah so there's just apps circulating right now where people are uh uploading selfies and it makes them look old and it's really realistic and uh yeah the russians apparently are behind it yeah and not just the russians Vexelberg. Oh, didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. And Vexelberg is the guy who uh, donated $500,000 to Essential Consulting. 
Um, mm-hmm. The slogan is "It's fucking essential." <laughs> the official That's slogan now. <laughs> Cohen's slush money fund for paying to buy access to President Trump. AT and T put money in there. Um, some the Chinese aerospace, company um, um, ZTE. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and so a lot of a lot of different companies uh, threw money into that. A pharmaceutical company did. But um, I don't think ZTE did. Oh, these had a separate uh, access. It was a South Korean aerospace company. Okay, okay. Um, My bad. But uh, yeah, they got access a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably through Ivanka. <laughs> but um, oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, or through Kushner because he was trying to buddy up with Ong Bong Bank to get yeah, them to pay off yeah. his building. Um, so anyway, that the, that was that's the Vexelberg. Um, uh, he's he's that guy. Interesting. It's it's very strange to see them still actively infiltrating our country and like this was an app that i saw on every single friend of mine's like page like just they're they're getting to us in ways that we're not expecting for some reason Yeah, and people misunderstand too they go oh so they've got my picture big mm. deal no they have every single thing in your facebook profile and going back have to a lot going way. by to going back to when you started having facebook and every app that's ever connected to facebook where you've signed in with facebook yeah they have all that those data too. that's a very good point also pictures have a lot of data in them so they can see from your picture where you took it where you were like all these information about your location like it's very scary how much data can be in a photograph alone. yeah just in the photograph yeah, like if you get if you email think that that's picture, all they've got yeah no don't open up russian email pictures like don't even look at the picture he's like but, looking at the ring <laughs> huh. yeah uh, but but no i mean seriously think about every time you've continued with facebook or signed in with facebook or took a quiz or or yeah. anything they know where you are too the little dots they use when they connect you yeah they can see where you are within a five minute span it's creepy mm-hmm. yeah and now mifsud won't have to get that those 50 million user data profile um information from facebook which facebook just got fined by the federal trade commission five billion dollars but no rules that they have to follow and they're trying to make their own money now so i think they're trying to figure out a way around that it's mm-hmm. crazy they're, they're gonna call it the the libra i think is the name of their currency weird shit weird mm-hmm. times but anyways yeah just i would say if you did make you download the app um you can delete it but also just be mindful of what they would use it for like when you yeah. see these posts come around <clears throat> campaign season election, something targeted at you yeah just think about it more than you probably normally would they probably are trying to brainwash you yeah yeah they have your data they have your information they know what your likes and the dislikes are and they know what you're passionate about and that's the big thing and that's why they use these wedge issues like guns and lgbtq rights Mm -hmm. and black lives matter yep and and abortion yeah because they and immigration because they know that these are where people's fears and passions really exist these are the wedge issues yeah and they'll find you and they'll say oh this person gets really riled up when you mention you know something negative about transgender people or something negative about immigrants and so i'm going to do this and i'm going to connect it with a candidate so that they do the same thing or feed you lies about something that you're passionate about and you're so passionate that you have what do they call it Um, confirmation bias absolutely Mm -hmm. so just be aware of that app that's going around (laughs) yeah yeah you know something else is happening zeitgeist that's right um so now that we've filled you in a little bit on what's been going down uh, and we've finished volume one of the Mueller Report. Yay. Congratulations. Uh, and we missed Jordan today. She's, yeah. she's out uh, doing a thing, but um, we, we'll we we'll have her back. Yes, uh, yes. Tomorrow. She's doing very important quality time stuff. Yes. So she'll be back. We tom- importante. Are we doing one tomorrow? Are we doing a thing? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. We'll I mean, just fill it out. I'm going to see if I can get us some extra time at the hotel since our flight. We're having this time. Our flights don't leave until, you know, I'm, I should. This is private stuff that you <laughs> yeah. don't. 
maybe well, just while I don't mind sharing, you all don't need to hear. Uh, but you know, maybe we'll try to put something out tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. But right after we warn them to be more careful about their security, we're like, yeah, our flight leaves this terminal yeah. at this time. <laughs> we're at this airport, and uh, yeah. So no, but uh, in any case, um, you know, we did uh, on the Daily Beans. We did mention that we probably wouldn't be putting out um, daily updates for our patrons on. What, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday? Yeah, so Friday's a maybe, but we'll be back yeah. for the Daily Beans for officially yeah, on Monday. The so. Daily Beans officially premieres on Monday morning. It's worth the so. wait if it has to be, but we'll see what we can do. Yeah, and that's just that's also just for patrons. If you want to become a patron, you can become a patron of Muller She Wrote and the Daily Beans, all with one monthly payment. You don't have to sign up for two patrons Yay. or Patreons or whatever. Right. Just head to patreon.com slash Muller She Wrote or patreon.com slash the Daily Beans. And that will um, take you all to the same place and you pledge and you are then a patron for both episodes. One of for, us. For both shows. <laughs> you are one of us. You get all kinds of cool secret meet and greet stuff and we're doing one tonight with our patron. I'm so stoked right after this. Yeah, I'm going to upload Philly. this baby and then we're going to head to a place. <laughs> a place that no one knows but the patrons. Yes. Uh, and yeah, we just do all sorts of like little ask me anything. You can come into our closed Facebook group, which is a really awesome tight knit community of oh, really definitely. like-minded people that were super helpful with one another. And we it's a great networking opportunity too. Yes. Because there's a lot of just really cool business owners and creators and stuff where you yeah. can figure out if you need help with something, there's going to be somebody in that community they that is it. a resistor that also has that um what what you know whatever the services you're looking for and they care man like on facebook it's hard to find like i think real connections and we <clears throat> we have one I'm yeah we're pretty lucky yeah and there's t-shirts <gasps> yeah so connections and t-shirts that's all that matters right <laughs> and uh you know what else do we have a pre-sale for for shows and ad-free daily beans episodes as long as we're independent we could get bought out by network and they might not let us do that anymore i have to give you fair warning <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's just a really cool community and do it as little as three bucks a month and it, it pays for our, um, our staff's health, healthcare basically. Oh yeah. That's what helps us get our healthcare. So yeah. And I'm sick. So I need that shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although yeah, I, I know you're feeling better. You just don't sound like you just have I that, know. that leftover. I do, but I promise it way better. I missed pretty much all of pride. I went to the parade, which was great. And then I couldn't stay for the festival and I paid for it. And I was like, I just, I've never been that sick in a while. That you so. couldn't stay and do something and you really gay. wanted to be. Yeah. Like. I couldn't yeah. Stay and be gay. That was a bummer. But Everyone's you know, like, stay and be gay. Resting is nice too. It felt good to just kind of like just black out. <laughs> it is nice. Sleep yeah. is nice. In fact, we're going to do that after our meet and greet tonight. So. Definitely. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, I know that you probably... That was, it was at the end, so you didn't have to listen to it if you didn't feel like it. Um, there's a lot of personal stuff. But uh, anyway, we, we really appreciate you guys listening to this. It's important that everybody understand what in, what's in the Mueller report, and that's why we're doing this. So if you know anybody who maybe doesn't have time to read the Mueller report but wants to listen to it when they're on the treadmill or listen to it when they're walking the dog, um, it, I, it's gosh we have nine episodes it's we've done probably 13 hours and that's just the first volume yeah but it's all a hefty stuff that's really important yeah and and we also kind of provide sort of context for it so it's just not a super dry exactly because it is it's a legal document but it does read a little bit like a spy novel it's just you know not as fancy in the language but anyway just let people know and uh, thank you so much for listening. Take care of yourselves and take care of each other. I've been AG. I've been Jalisa Johnson. And this is Muller She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jalisa Johnson. Our marketing consultant and social media manager is Sarah Lee Steiner. And our subscriber and communications director is Jordan Coburn. Fact-checking and research by AG and research assistance by Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. 
Our merchandising managers are Sarah Lee Steiner and Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. Hi, I'm Dan Dunn, host of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, the most wildly entertaining adult beverage-themed podcast in the history of the medium. That's right, the boozy best of the best, baby. And we have the cool celebrity promos to prove it. Check this out. Hi, I'm Allison Janney, and you're here with me on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And that's my sexy voice. Boom. Boom is right, Academy Award winner Allison Janney. As you can see, celebrities just love this show. How cool is that? Hey, this is Scotty Pippen, and you're listening to The Dan Dunn Show. And, wait, hold on. The name of the show is what? All right, sure. Scotty Pippen momentarily forgot the show's name, but there's a first time for everything. Hey, everyone, this is Scoot McNary. I'm here with Dan Dunn on What Are You Drinking? What's it called again? Fine, twice. But famous people really do love this show. Hi, this is Will Forte, and you're, for some reason, listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. What do you mean for some reason, Will Forte? What's going on? Hi, this is Kurt Russell. Listen, I escaped from New York, but I couldn't get the hell out of Dan Dunn's happy hour. Please, send help. Send help? Oh, come on, Kurt Russell. Can somebody out there please help me? I'm Dita Von Teese, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. <laughs> Let me try one more time. Come on. Is that oh, right? Sorry. What we're no, drinking? It's amazing. It's, it's it amazing. Right it's just... Is it right? Ah, that's better. So be like Dita Von Teese, friends, and listen to what we're drinking with Dan Dunn, available wherever you get your podcasts. MSW Media. Hi, I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of The Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay. Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. Give.